discretion is advised. Hello, welcome to Tea with D. I'm your host, Deanna Golding. I've been piercing for over 10 years and created this podcast for my own creative freedom. I'm here to talk about the piercing archive, chit chat with buddies, and speak about subjects I'm passionate about. So, why not grab a packet of biscuits, hot tea, and sit down to enjoy Tea with D? Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Tea with D. I just want to say a few things before we get into this episode. Number one, Secret Santa. If you haven't signed up, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's been posted everywhere. It's on the Professional Piercers group and just a piercer hangout. So if you're a piercer, account staff, apprentice, manager, etc., and you want to get involved, sign up ASAP. Once the names are drawn tomorrow, the 24th of November, you can't sign up after then. So please sign up so you don't miss out. It's a great thing that I do every year. Ian passed the torch on to me and I just carried on and did it. So yeah, if you want to get involved, please do. We're doing it a little bit earlier this year due to the issues of Royal Mail. So yeah, get involved. It's it's great fun. I enjoy it every year and it's never really let me down, basically. I know last year was a bit of a muddle due to, of course, Royal Mail. But fingers crossed this year we got it on the ball. The second update kind of announcement thingy that I want to do is that there will be a open discussion roundtable Zoom meeting in a fortnight from today. I haven't decided on what topic it will be, but I would really love multiple people to get involved. So if you're interested, body piercer, counter staff, jewellery maker, manager who's listening to this episode, drop me a message. I want as many people there as possible and of course we will take turns and answering questions and stuff like that. I don't want to be a jumbled mess. If you just want to be in it and not talk, you're welcome to do that as well. It will be an audio recording only. There won't be any video or anything put anywhere else. And yeah, it's just going to be a good old crack because we haven't done any of these roundtables since COVID times. We did one maybe a year ago possibly I can't really remember but it'd be nice to start doing them again and I think they're very educational informal and I think a lot of people just enjoy it because it's kind of like socializing and catching up with others so yeah if you want to get involved drop me a message if you want a certain topic to be spoken about drop me a message I really do appreciate the feedback and everything it's top notch but yeah let's get into this week's episode it's with the lovely Hazel Jane I love talking to this woman so much. She's a very interesting individual. I love going all nerdy about jewellery with her. This episode, it does go a little bit nerdy with the jewellery, but we will be having another episode some point in the future about jewellery a bit more. We go into what we like, what we don't like, and so on. So yeah, it's going to be a very exciting episode, and I can't wait for you guys to love it. So please enjoy, and I'll see you very soon. Welcome to the podcast. Really appreciate Thanks. your time. Please introduce yourself and what you do. I am Hazel. I work in Edinburgh and I am a body piercer and I make body jewellery as well. So, and where can they find you? So you can find me at Sanctuary Body Art, which is based in Leith. And my Instagram and businessy stuff for piercing is Botanical Piercer, botanical.piercer to be specific on Instagram and then my jewelry stuff is Finestra Fine Jewelry which isn't half of a mouthful or anything but <laughs> um but that's been that's more of a, a recent thing but I mean 
botanical piercer is is the main the main one it just sounds very bougie and i love it i know yeah finestra (laughs) (laughs) so let's talk about history how did you come about piercing i had a pretty i was thinking about this today because i know that this is the question you like to ask um honestly for piercing i had a pretty nice like probably you know ideal apprenticeship um I was getting tattooed and pierced at my studio about two years before I ever asked for any sort of apprenticeship. So I was really well known to the boss and the artist and the piercer who was there at the time. And yeah, I was just kind of going in for a tattoo one day and my partner, who I'm still with, just said, why why don't you just ask? Like, if you don't ask, you don't get. The worst thing they're going to say is no, it's not like they don't like you or anything. So like, <laughs> just ask, you know. Um, and I thought, okay. And so yeah, whilst um, I was getting tattooed, I asked. Um, and I'll never forget this because the tattoo artist, uh, Ewan, hello Ewan, if you're listening, um, decided to kind of ask me some of the questions that he got asked when he became a tattoo apprentice. And one of them was, which kitchen appliance would you be? <laughs> which is the most <laughs> random thing, but I still remember it. And I said toaster because I will promise one thing and deliver on that one thing. Uh, a toaster only ever makes toast. And he l- loved that. Um, and then, yeah, put a good word in. And then things kind of went from there. But um, yeah, three years has flown um um yeah there was it's been really uneventful which is is I guess nice because you hear so many wild stories <laughs> yeah. um, about you know people's fun introductions to this industry but um no honestly just kind of built the trust and built the respect and some may say my apprenticeship went maybe a little bit quicker than some people's I st- I'd still say it was like a year and a half but you know I started to pierce lobes and helixes fairly quickly and it was kind of that for a while and then the conch and then a brook and then you know the the other thing was is it was you know 2020 so um I got like a little stint and then lockdown mm. and then we got back but masks and no facial piercings meant that to be honest even if I had wanted to go faster or my mentor had wanted me to go faster for any reason like there there was no way of doing that so you know it meant that I had to really take my time um, and focus on ears for the most part which is still a bulk of what I do so that that paid off (laughs) (laughs) pretty pretty chill honestly nice I was gonna say yeah because I remember when I started following you and it was during the COVID era because like that's all you could do pretty much it's just ears yep and yeah I remember when you put up a thing saying well now the restrictions are gone I can start doing under the mask services does anybody want to you know let me practice on them I was thinking wait oh yeah COVID oh my god like it just yeah. click in my head and I think a lot of people do forget that is that a lot of the pieces who do, did start 2019 mm. 2020 didn't have the accessibility of doing under mask services because masks were just there yeah yeah that was it that was that crazy was times I don't even want to look back at them <laughs> I did so many septums that was like it was literally there was a day where I did like 10 septums I mean it was great 
every septum ever but um but yeah like it was really like nose septum for a while lips were still up scotland was a bit kind of mixy matchy with yeah. what they what they allowed and what they didn't so yeah for a while there was kind of a weird period of like because of the way the cosmetics rules worked we could get away with septums and noses but like lips and inner oral and stuff were still completely off off the menu it was but again benefited me because it meant that I couldn't actually take on anything other than kind of what I could so yeah. I didn't you know start just piercing all crazy bits without really knowing what I was doing um so I do actually appreciate it as a as a pacemaker oh yeah definitely 100% so was this always an interest for you the piercing industry like during school and college yes so, oh my goodness, um, really fun story to tell you actually. So um, my first ever piercing I got before I even had my lobes pierced was a septum piercing. So I, when I was 13, went over to my friend Fern's house and I hope she listened to this because she'll find this hilarious. <laughs> um, and I stayed over, my mom loved Fern, so she had no idea any of this might be happening, but Fern had pierced her own lip, her like own lo loads of stuff that I was just like, oh my God, and like we're 13, so it's like, oh, oh my goodness, crazy. <laughs> um, and yeah, she had bought a sewing needle off eBay and I sat on the floor of her bedroom and um, basically painstakingly uh, shoved took about an hour to shove this this really <laughs> shitty piercing needle through my um, and it came out horribly wonky and I put literally like a Claire's PVD black piece <laughs> like I fully went I went for it I did everything that like me now would be like oh my good god what is wrong with you um somehow didn't get an infection ended up taking it out um and I I think weirdly enough it's sort of somehow become a part of my septum stack because stacking for me was miraculously way easier than it should have been and I genuinely think it's because that that horrible piercing was still kicking around but um so yeah hit it from my mom almost got busted took it out um but found out the other year when I went to visit Fern because this is when I lived in London um that that entire mirror that I had sat on the floor in front of the behind of it was entirely covered in black mold so <laughs> oh my God. and had been for years um so so yeah I'm, I'm alive um and my still nose is still face um, that's that's really good but uh yeah taking it further back my my mom actually um had lots of jobs around computing basic graphic design and sort of just like computery stuff so um when I was quite young she had a, a real uh, like a really big stack and I can't remember the name of the magazine and I've tried to find if she's mentioned anywhere but I think it was like a real freelance thing but she had a pile of of tattoo piercing magazines it'll have been one of the 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 UK ones at the time but um and she'd done like the grid layouts you know how you like mm -hmm. lay out all on and you know stuff like that so she that's all she'd done but they sent her the free copies of it obviously for doing that um and she had a pile of like these are the ones you can go through that don't have naked people and probably <laughs> yeah. the ones that are safe for work old. 
yes um these are the same, and there was this like massive pile of ones that I couldn't go near so it was like a small pile but I remember looking through them and seeing people covered in body art piercings tattoos and just being like oh my god you can draw on yourself and it stays there forever um I, I, yeah yeah I was like oh my god and then I was like how do they do this? I remember asking, like, how did they do this? And then like, oh, she was kind of like, you have to be 18 to do it. You know, you have to be an adult. And that's obviously 10 years away. So, uh, you know, uh, dream on. Um, and I think she <laughs> didn't realize that that would be such a big thing for me at the time. Um, so that definitely, I think, is the the core of it. And then, yeah, I think it's always something that I'd, I'd kind of wanted to do. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I wonder what magazine it could have been. What age did you get your first professional piercing done? First professional, I actually, I mean, quote unquote, I mean, I had two two of my earlobes on the same ear done with a gun, which is obviously not really pro. But um, yeah, first proper professional one was when I was 16. Uh, I had agreed with my mom that I would be allowed to get new uh, nose piercing if I passed my GCSEs. So I passed them. And so she couldn't really say no. And <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, my nostril pierced. And I actually had that up until fairly recently. Um but I tried pairing it a bunch of times in recent years and they, they just never sat right. Come to realize that um, I actually found a like a photo from when I'd had it done when I was 16 and they'd kind of just given me a high nostril piercing or like a midi high nostril piercing <laughs> instead of like a normal one, which is why your hoops would never fit in it and things like that. But um, oh, I remember at the time being so chuffed and being like, oh my God, I've got three load piercings and a nostril. How cool am I? yeah <laughs> um so so yeah that was like my first professional one if if you will if you didn't get into piercing or even jewelry making what would have been the other goal for you illustration um so i used to do illustration i went to london college of fashion for fashion illustration uh I only went for a year though and then I left because I wanted to come back to Scotland um, <laughs> in London for seven years pretty much not really uh with my will um and so yeah definitely always something creative but yeah some sort of art applied art illustration-y type thing um was kind of the other pipe dream I suppose um, but I'm glad I'm in this one because this one is fun. And oh, yeah, to that. <laughs> fully agree with that. With the jewelry making side of things, how did that come about? So I think I was about I was about two years ish into into piercing and uh, people like Hialeah, like Laney Lux's uh, brand had you know started to do kind of piercing chains I started to see more people wear chains nostril chains conch chains chain 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 just everywhere so I was kind of like oh well if we think about like a seam ring jump rings are just mini seam rings so I can hook you know different lengths of chains onto them torque them shut give them a little pinch and that'll kind of you know be some chains and I I thought it would be a nice way to sort of 
give some some clients an additional groovy thing that they can do and it's quite nice because it sort of changes the way an ear or a face can look without you getting an actual piercing you get metal without the pain which is pretty good yeah. uh sweet deal um so that was that was the first kind of thing and then it, it just sort of grew arms and legs from there um I went and shadowed um a friend of mine who's a tattoo artist her mom is a jeweler so I went and shadowed her for a weekend uh, just to kind of see if it would be something I'd gel with because I didn't really want to throw myself into it without any sort of guidance and then also spend all the money and decide I didn't like it because uh, it's not for everybody um but that went really well I made a th- my first threadless end from scratch out of 18 karat gold with a garnet um and I was very pleased with myself um but yeah it was definitely with the help of Molly my friend's mum that I did that I would have had no idea what I was doing before that um and a lot of stuff that she taught me in that weekend is stuff that I still do today um and is a big part of what I do so yeah moved on did some like wrinkly wonky sort of set bezels where I didn't quite know what I was doing and then it kind of just got more refined from there and I started to kind of experiment with some rings and now it's a whole a whole beast of a thing that thankfully runs really well with the piercing side of things because you know um I have been asked many times if you had to pick one could you pick and no um both of them are completely different things that coincidentally work together but I love for completely different reasons and I would break my own heart if I had to give up one for the other um and I think you can do both uh within reason so um why not do it yeah yeah I fully agree to that 100% so what has been your favorite design so far that you have done asking I love asking the tricky questions (laughs) I was doing so well until now. Oh, um, that is a really difficult one. Um, mm-hmm, gonna have to really think. I really like the the hammered crescent rings that I make. Um, I think it's just like that was really a stab in the dark um, with making those and just seeing if it would work. Um, there were a couple times it went wrong obviously but there's there's a certain little knack to how you make them um some people use rolling mills some people use like almost like uh presses um I don't I can't remember the exact name for them in jewelry terms um or dyes maybe might be dyes I'm not sure um I don't think it is never mind um but yeah there are different like mechanical ways of making them um I just hammer them a lot and they and then reshape them if I have to but um yeah they there's so many different variations on that little crescent-y shaped ring um you know you can have a nice flat shiny surface you can do a satin finish you can bash the hell of hell out of it and make it look really really rough um you know and so yeah it's just very varied and it's something that is kind of a nice simple pleasure to make um otherwise I really like my little bead hanger pieces so the ones that have the gemstone and then these this tiny little string of bead chain that goes from one side to the other um from a soldering point of view 
Um, I, I don't have a welder. I don't have a laser welder or anything like that. It is literally me doing it the old fashioned way, taking a bit of flux, the tiniest little chip of 18 karat solder and kind of praying and hoping that something that's meant to stick to something else will do that. So, um, yeah, I really, I really like them. And I think they're just, they're super cute and fun. And they got a little bit, a bit of texture, a bit of movement. We love it. <laughs> Those are everything that everyone's loving at the moment. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that's always key. Keeping up. Always key. Keeping it up, yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing that I honestly struggle at is keeping up with like what's in at the moment what mm -hmm. goes with what like it's always changing one minute it could be the tri-beads which yeah. are forever going to be one of those things that you can use everywhere but it's always changing like what size is in what kind of mm -hmm. style of a tri-bead is it is it a quad bead is it a tri bead is it something else you know are we doing mixed metals with all the beads you know it's different things like that and then in newbury it's crazy with colors at the moment everybody loves color and i'm like what the fuck's going on <laughs> it's just like crystal i'm like huh and greens any type of green i can sell it off the back of my hand but when yeah. it comes to clear crystal that's the one thing I am slightly struggling at selling because not a lot of people are looking at that. They're like, oh, well, I saw this thing on Instagram and it's on my Pinterest and it's all like green and purple and blue stones. And I'm like, I'm out of stock of all those colours. <laughs> <laughs> I have no more in. Um, and certain stones as well, like rose quartz and mm -hmm. organ sunstone, they seem to be like the two that I'm constantly selling oh, but wow. if I were to go to a different studio it would be completely different in that town yeah. so it's like it's 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 pure madness you honestly just for for me green and gold is safe if I'm trying if I'm trying anything new or I just want to make something for the sake of making a thing for the sheer enjoyment of it and it's got a stone green and yellow gold is always going to please somebody always um in my studio to be honest the things that actually don't really sell that much at all are are like red and pink stones um more hot pink i think a light rosy pink is fine i just about get away with that but yeah the pinks and the reds like the rubies the garnets nope nobody wants oh, no. them I had one client specifically come in seeking them and she's the one that got the pair to what you got the little like road light with the, the three dots yeah. around it i will make more i promise loads of people are like when are you gonna make more of them and i'm like i will when my, my one that i got from you went so quickly like literally i think it was in the cabinet for just over a week and then the client came in and she was like i've lost my favorite piece and she was like i want that i was like <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> okay yeah you can have that and um yeah reds and pinks and oranges are doing very well for me um but I wear red stones you know yeah. wear one of the pieces that you made yeah the carnelian um, yeah and it's just a very bold ready orange color so when people mm -hmm. see it in my face they're like oh I quite like that in yellow gold yeah have you got any more and I'm like actually I've got one left you can have it if you want it and put mm -hmm. it in a conch with a chain hell yeah I was like, right, I've sold that. Cool. And yeah, all of my, my red stones are gone. I've sold all of them. 
think I've got one pink sapphire left. <clears throat> and loads of like citron. Can't get enough of it. And certain orange topaz ones as well, because yeah. they differ when ordering them. Yeah. Same with citron, that can differ as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, yeah, natural. So they they seem to be going a little bit. Um, but the problem is that at the moment is that I'm sending all the strawberry and it's going great, but I keep forgetting to take pictures. Oh, honestly, yeah. And winter, like I'm a natural light girl. Um Same. honestly, that's the main when people people message me all the time, like, how do you take your photos? They're so nice. And I'm like, natural light, like a couple feet back from the window, indirect sunlight, yada yada. But in Scotland, it is dark AF. Like it's really dark. Like basically sun starts setting at like three at this time of year. So same in New and I really hate light ring lights. I know that some people love them, but they just do not do the same thing. And unless I luck out and the ISO of my camera just somehow like figures it out with the ring light, which on occasion happens. Um, yeah, I barely end up taking any photos because I just know that I'm not going to be able to capture the the look of of the ear or the jewelry or the face um, properly. Uh, without heavily editing it and I try to kind of not do that to be honest um because I think things can look really fake and just almost plastic very fast if you're messing around with the colors too much going on to piercing world mm -hmm. when it comes to the archive world anyway is there like a certain event or a certain story of the piercing history that you've heard about and you keep coming back to because it's just reminded you ever and ever again of how good it is yeah so um you'll probably have seen this so on obviously fakir is something that when you become piercer and you join the forums and you start speaking to people that you hear a lot about um and i can't remember because I think Fakir passed away only in the last couple of years. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. like a fairly recent thing. So I'm pretty sure that um, Fakir sadly passed away. I think only when I was like six, seven, eight months into my apprenticeship, and so I saw loads of people talk about this person. Um, had to have, didn't really know what their significance was and things like that. So I went and looked looked them up. Obviously, saw like the modern primitives books and things like that um, but there's a really really interesting interview with him on YouTube and it's called present exclamation mark the like um, description has nothing about who's interviewing him or like really why um, I think it is just yeah an archival thing um, obviously I think the person who posted realized was significant and it's obviously just a, basically interviewing Fakir asking what got him into kind of the sort of yeah the modification and the ritualistic side of of piercing and obviously yeah he's very tied to the rituals and also sort of um you know tribal and native american practices when it comes to piercing suspension things like that um but yeah he seems like such a kind and gentle soul and it was just so it was a bit tough actually because i was like i don't even really know this person other than how i'm getting to know them now um, but I could really feel the sense of loss that a lot of people who've met him or taken the secure intensives would have, would have felt at that time. And it was just, yeah, like, oh, damn, wrong time and wrong place for this, you know, amazing person that is just like had a mind in a time where it would have, you know, average, average housewife would have just exploded, like would have not known how to deal with any of that information, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so 
um yeah I think I think it's it's honestly honestly that and he was really obsessed with almost yeah putting himself in like trance like states and constraint and sort of pain and all of these things from a really young age um you know and some really dangerous situations as well mm-hmm. I was like you could have probably unalived yourself <laughs> very very easily in many of these circumstances but I think there's obviously a reason that Fakir lived as long as he did and managed to do as much as he did and yeah mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's awesome I know a lot of people mention kind of Gauntlet and Mr. Sebastian and stuff and that is like obviously that's all also amazing but um I, yeah I wanted to throw that in there because um yeah he, he, he doesn't get mentioned enough to be fair and it is all interlinked and it is all you know um a part of the same history yes 100 and like another person i just want to throw out there is michelle gray uh yes. they were the founder of the app and they have a book with jim ward and it's phenomenal so if you wanted to look into somebody who is great definitely recommend michelle gray she made quite a lot of effort to sort of bring the app to to what it was um i know that there were lots of sort of bureaucratic annoying issues that sort of stopped the app at certain points being able to sort of get to what it needed to do and you know she was like the the kind of backbone of of really pushing that forward um and getting getting it to where it is basically oh, yeah. and it wouldn't be there if they weren't there so mm-hmm. i'm gonna go on to the really really hard questions now oh goodness okay i'll prepare myself <laughs> <laughs> is there someone who is an inspo to you or somebody that you really look up to oh there's so many okay we're gonna have to go through a couple of different ones <laughs> they don't even have to be like people that are still piercing like it could be somebody Mm -hmm. who's like stepped away or it could even be somebody who makes jewelry because you make Mm -hmm. jewelry so yeah yeah there's definitely I mean obviously the first couple of people I want to mention are Leah Rosie and Holly because knew it ah yeah you knew you knew what the answer would be (laughs) (laughs) I love it you were like like, you can mention other people I'm like no This is just going to become the podcast where every episode it's an ode to to those three. Um, no, I they Holly is someone that is obviously endlessly inspiring. She just puts out the most amazing, sparkly, insane work. Like, um, yeah, meant like just unreal levels of work. Um, and when me and her first followed each other before we met, we message each other being like how have we not followed each other before because coincidentally we were doing the dark moody like soft pics mm-hmm. but I had no idea she was doing that I didn't know who she was until that point um but yeah we met at UKPP um in 2022 and yeah introduced me to Lee and Rosie who are also both just amazing Rosie is like one of the funniest people on this earth oh my God, um, I just love love her um you know she holly holly's a really good like real talk supporter like if you're having a hard time she'll just be like listen this is the deal like we're gonna get through this rosie is like just like never takes herself too seriously it's always a laugh um you know you can't not smile around her and then leah is just like a really really lovely um she's just going so far is going to go so amazingly far like the potential Mm -hmm. 
that she has is like unreal unreal levels oh yes um, I just can't wait to like watch the trajectory of of her just go like just like mm-hmm. up through the roof but the sweetest angel also hilarious I mean yeah we I know from the podcast um it was one big sleepover at UK fairly <laughs> bloody slept man it was oh yeah the the crawling video oh Rosie it's, does it it's so well, vivid right? Look. All the time in my head, I literally when I watched it, I just started crying laughing straight away. <laughs> I think I rewatched it over and over again a good couple. Because I, I, I was just like, peg legs, and then Rosie's like a gremlin that's like <laughs> going to climb halfway up the wall, and I'm just like, oh gosh, it was so good. But obviously, love those three. I think um, also, I think Leah mentioned um, them as well, but. They are a really good friend of mine and they do work in Edinburgh as Raphael, um, who works at Sanatorium Tattoo, RM Floco on Instagram. Um, Raph, I met Raph eight, nine months into my apprenticeship and he is was is and was kind of like a second mentor. Um, you know, I had a really good apprenticeship, but the knowledge and the practices that he had, um, you know, a lot of them are something that I've taken on and he's just his skill is amazing. His bedside manner is maybe some of the best bedside manner I've ever seen. The calmness, the collectiveness, like really softly spoken. Like it's just like, oh, I'm going to cause you a lot of pain, but you know, I'm just going to talk about it really nicely. And you're in a nice, calm, quiet room and everything's fine. He's done like a couple of my piercings, <laughs> but you can't be relaxed. Like it's great. So, so good. Um, and then were you asking who I'd like to work with or who inspires that me? That would or... be my next one. That would be your next Oh, no, sorry. Who would be your dream <laughs> boss or co-worker? <laughs> oh, okay. That is, that's a fun one. You know, I thought I'd thought about this a lot and then I, I, it's weird because I don't think I could have, I could really think like clearly there's so many potential people. So um oh, I'm just going through the Rolodex of like amazing people I'm like which one do I pick why are there so many who what where how why how why <laughs> um I mean obviously a lot of people say Ollie but Ollie is an amazing teacher um so I think Ollie would definitely be one of them um I think maybe like slightly more, I guess, further afield. Um, there's obviously Feral Handmaid slash Rob McConnell slash Counter Goblin yeah. <laughs> slash yeah. amazing person. Um, the shop that they currently work in, as well as the jewelry that they make, um, seems really, really cool. Um, I think they, they work with uh, Nick Lawson as well, who has some of the most adorable cats I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and Nick Nick is also lovely, and I've like spoken to them online. So I think, is it Arcadia? I think so, work? yeah. I'm not sure. I think so. I there I am, being like, I want to work with them, and I don't even know what studio they're in. Great. <laughs> um, I think I think it's 
I think it's there. Um, but yeah, they just all seem super cool and amazing. And they just all do good piercings and amazing stuff. And I feel like everything would be very chill. And it's just like, oh, we're just going to go and do this anti-tragus. And it's going to look so sexy and cool. And everything's going to be sexy and cool. Um, and I would just be there profusely sweating. And um, <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> So there, there, there's the rigmarole answer to both of those questions. Brilliant. I love that. Well, this is not even a question I can ask you because you already make jewellery, but I'm going to say it anyway. When it comes to jewellery, apart from yours, okay, which oh, okay. manufacturer <laughs> are you loving right now and what piece is it? Very, very good question. Ooh, I think, yeah, I'm going to have to think probably about what I'm putting in other people at the moment. Um, um, I really like the Lyra from Buddha, actually. I don't get to use it enough, but um, it's I just like the shape of it. I think using these really kind of quirky shaped gemstones um, is is really fun. And I like that they kind of mix them in and things like that. Um, I also got some sacred symbols at conference mm. and I have this beautiful piece that's like a tapered baguette. It's been cut in a really interesting way and it's got kind of like mill grain around the outside and then the, the classic sort of sacred symbols like beaded texture that you got. And it's sitting there and it's looking so cute and wonderful. And I'm just waiting for the right person to come in and just get it because it's yellow gold and I'm a white gold girl. So can't have it for myself but sacred symbols actually oh oh my goodness me so gorgeous um and yeah um, really it's a real like the it's um one of those brands where you can really you can tell a sacred symbol piece without knowing it's sacred symbols mm -hmm. like it's really identifiable um and i just yeah there's something so kind of like almost yeah like magical talismany like yeah. you've just found it in a forest and it's definitely got some powerful spirit that's also looking for it attached to it and it's the whole story plot for a film um yeah types it yeah it's just it's got a real vibe about it I guess yeah. I'm actually gonna word this question different because you make jewelry <laughs> <laughs> if you could get another manufacturer to make you your dream piece of jewelry which manufacturer would it be and what gold and stones would you use cool um i would love a kind of just funky fancy white gold crown setting with a black quarry agate in it and you might have to look look that up but basically black quarry agate um, kind of does what it says in the tin but basically it is primarily this smoky ashy black and then it's got kind of white and gray banded um, I know which one you're on about yeah yeah and I think like a nice cut of that um, in white gold would just be amazing and I've not made myself it yet because one I have to find the stone and two goodness me I could do a whole podcast about how complicated white gold is in body jewelry <laughs> me um it's a whole beast um but yeah I would love I would I think I would love that but yeah finding a stone of it is um somewhat difficult you can find big nice slices of it 
but people aren't necessarily willing to cut those slices into cabs because then you do you can and do lose you know maybe the bigger composition mm -hmm. of the the kind of slices oh I could talk so much about Scottish pebble jewelry it's like not even funny that would be a whole other hour of things oh I love it so much I love it coming soon agates a whole <laughs> hour um but yeah agates are very common in Scotland um you can find them dotted about everywhere but yeah that that would probably be the dream who, who would you get to make it though like oh yes um Probably, I'd say Darcy, Darcy Spring, High Noon Handmade, would probably do an excellent job at that. Mm -hmm. And their settings are also very, like, they, they've got such a varied uh, application with how they can set things. Yeah. Um, so I think that that would be super awesome. Or in a massive astronomical dream world, I love Pupil Hall so oh. much. Oh my god. I love it too. The lender's wallet. Um <laughs> like <laughs> oh gosh, I'm oh listen, I just got BVLA, so I'm I'm like still riding that high. I need to I need to, you know, <laughs> wait up. Also, yeah, BVLA BVLA's bezels are really clean. They, mm. you know, oh a white gold, big chunky Afghan with a black mm. quarry agate in the middle of it. Oh my jesus big up to the titanium people because gold is malleable and predictable once you know what you're doing titanium mm -hmm. on the other hand rock solid yeah yeah i tried to make a titanium ring did one loop had enough <laughs> i literally tried that with niobium i got black niobium wire tried making half of a ring and just sent it to steven because i was like nope, nope. <laughs> you can have it it's not for me yeah, Stephen. Stephen has fingers and arms of steel to do yeah. uh, the titanium and niobium stuff. And yeah, Stephen's work is so good. That polish oh. man, unbelievable. Like just super clean and crispy. Um, and also just the the greatest crack. There's always a meme. Um, but other other person to mention because we're all in a chat together is uh, Jordan Beckett who is fairly new, obviously, to the industry, um, but is making a lot of really cool machine to large gauge stuff, like insane stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, his ability to kind of work with all the machines and the computers and stuff like that is something I will just never be able to. Oh. I just cannot. I can't comprehend. I'm like, how the fuck do you do it? Like, explain yeah, it. it oh, someone else, man. But yeah, Jordan is also super lovely. He came up to Scotland recently and, and we hung out and I fit some jewellery for him and it was, yeah, it was really, really fun. Um, and yeah, no, everyone's just so cool and lovely. And these questions are hard because there's like 25 million people you can mention for various reasons. I know, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's why people don't want to go on my podcast. They're like, do you ask too many hard questions? It's not happening. No, but I love listening to it, and I think that's a trade-off. If I can religiously listen to all of them, I've got to, you know, I've got to be willing to be asked the same questions. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, this one's a hard one. A lot of people do get stuck on this one. So, as all piercers and peers, we critique ourselves more than ever. Mm -hmm. What do you think or feel you need to improve on and this doesn't have to be like piercing related um 
I think, honestly, yeah, there are certain piercings I definitely need to improve on if I'm being completely like frank. Um, I will say that traguses are really not a strong suit for me for some damn reason, even though it's a little bit of tissue and there's like so much space behind it. It's almost like a tiny lobe. I do not know why, but my brain is just like, eh -eh, don't know how to do that. Um, I've done a couple and for the most part, they are fine. I find that um, it's not necessarily like the 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 angle like they always come out perpendicular to the tissue but there's something weird with traguses where they never quite end up where I think they're gonna go like I'll do them and they're just not they don't look like where I mark them and I'm like why are you there why what has happened but it's yeah I'll look at the the side profile and the depth is fine and the angle's fine so I'm like well I don't really want to pull this based on just sheer preference if the client is not you know they just want the tragus they're not really fussed about to the millimeter has it gone exactly where we thought um it'd be super it's super frustrating obviously if there's a certain jewelry with a certain shape but I think I think that um, obviously the industry is kind of quiet at the moment. I was speaking to someone about this today, like a lot of people are struggling mm -hmm. universally, regardless, even in the US with um, the sort of just crisis. Yes, yeah. like it's so quiet. Um, and, you know, cost of living just seems to really be kicking us in the ass at the moment. Um, and so oh, I have. Yeah political issues that are happening oh my goodness. all Even over the world today as well with like there's yeah that announcement of all this random stuff but um bullshit. i know yes it's um there's a reason hunt rhymes with a certain word mm -hmm. that we all love and use <laughs> <laughs> um but i think um so there's a part of me that's tattooed and, and thrilled with walk-ins. Obviously, another blessing from lockdown is the appointment-only thing. You know, no one really wanted to take walk-ins, and I never had to. Um, I'm not very good at being given something on the spot. So um, people can phone on the day, and if I've technically got space for them, um, most of the time I'll see them. But the amount of anxiety I feel for that versus something I know that's scheduled in. Even if I've never seen them before, even the fact that I just know I've got a nostril piercing scheduled in versus someone calling saying, can I have one in half an hour? Like, I, I don't know what it is. I just do not meld well with that at all. Um, and so there's a part of me with, thankfully I'm, I'm coasting um, and I'm very thankful that I'm coasting fairly fine. With, with how quiet it is, but obviously a lot of people are considering walk-ins after a very long time. It has crossed my mind and I'm just like, oh goodness, I really hope I don't have to get to that point because it does scare me, but it is something I could look at improving because in a way, um, not being able to be put on the spot could hinder you if you wanted to say guest somewhere or go to a completely different studio or travel and things like that because obviously things are going to happen and go wrong you're not going to know where everything is you're not going to know how the client base behaves if you're guesting and things like that and obviously if you're someone that can't like me that's just incapable of feeling like a bag of rattling bones when you have to do a nostril piercing in <laughs> half an hour's notice you're probably not going to fare that well maybe guesting or going somewhere super unknown so I think that's that's probably yeah technically traguses personally just being able to go with the flow maybe a little bit more
I feel you that I hate walk-ins. I have done walk-ins for most of my piercing career and I hate the unknown because yeah. with now being diagnosed with ADHD, it makes sense as to why I was an absolute tit when it came to walk-ins because now I'm doing appointments, everything's structured. So I know what's coming in, what jewellery to get yeah. sorted and stuff like that. Whereas walk-ins, if they just waltz in five minutes and they're like, I want an industrial, I'm like, where did I put the industrial jewellery from? Where's the barbells? I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just like running around like a lunatic. And I fully agree with you. Like, it's, I hate them. They stress me out. So I always stick to appointments. But now it's come to the point where like, eh, it could be a possibility. But then yeah. I don't want to get even more stressed than I already am because of the current situation yeah. that's happening. So it's just like, I'll stick with appointments for now. But yeah, I, I, mm, it stresses me out. Yeah, too, it's, it's too scary, too unpredictable. It's just the unknown. So I don't, I don't yeah. want to think about it. I know, that's what I felt. Yeah, and I, I tried doing walk-ins like a few months ago and I had two people in. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, got on and did the piercings. It went fine and everything. And I forgot that they were just walk-ins. So instead of charging them the full amount that it should have been, yeah. I only charged them for the jewellery that was used. Oh, I'm really bad at doing that with nail med because of the way that I calculate stuff. There's a deposit and that comes off the piercing fee, um, you know, and then they've got a little bit of piercing fee and there's jewelry to pay for. And for some reason, the brain cells just do not want to acknowledge that nail med is something people need to pay for. And I'm so thankful because most of my clients are really honest with me. I'll go, ah, I need to pay for my nail med. And I'll be like, oh shit, yeah, you do. I'll just put that on. <laughs> um, bless, I've had some really sweet clients that she walk out the shop, get down the road and then come back and be like, I didn't pay for the aftercare stuff. And then they'll come back up and pay it, which is so sweet because honestly, not everyone is like that in the world, um, but I don't know what it is. I just always, I always forget. It is yeah. ridiculous. I don't know why. Remember to charge people, but you don't know. You don't. You never do. <laughs> like your brain's just on to the next thing. Yeah. It's like 100%. okay, yep. Yeah, I've given them the aftercare and everything, and they've paid. It's all good, right? I've got oh. Oh, great. Paired nostrils in next. <laughs> cool. Right. Let's mentally prepare myself for that. <laughs> and you just forget. You forget that you've just done the whole day. You're just like concentrating yeah. on this one thing that you got to do. Back to Tragus's though. I was struggling with them for a while. And I'd always done like the same technique that I have done for like years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, right, maybe it isn't the case that I'm doing my technique right. So it's like, let's rethink how I'm doing this right now. So I brought like three different silicone ears, mm -hmm. one technique on one, did a clamp technique on the other, and then I did back to front fish hook mm -hmm. on the other. Yeah. I was like, oh, the fish hook one came out perfect. It was like spot on to the mark and everything. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's try this out. Did a one client, hated it. So bad, hated it. I was like, I can't, my head couldn't. I yeah, wrap that. around it, yeah. And I was on scrolling on TikTok one day and Mr. Josh Hawkins' video of him doing an inside out tragus with his shirt came up and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that looks easy. I'll try it again. Try it again. It's been fine ever since. I was the same with um like lip piercing. So I recently, only like a month or so ago, started doing inside out. 
And honestly, I've said it to a couple people um, who are piercers that don't do it that way. And I'm like, it is going to feel extremely wrong until the libra is in. It's going to feel like you're doing something very wrong. And then the librette goes in and it just is magically perpendicular to the tissue. I'm just like, you just got to trust the bevel. Like when it goes under, no, you can't technically really see where you are. Yes, when the taper's in, it's going to stick like almost vertically and you're going to think you've done the worst gesture on someone ever. Um, but once the librette goes in, it makes sense. Mm. Um, and I really like doing it now. It still gives me like the, the nerves a little bit, but like it is like once you get it, you get it. But it's so hard to sort of explain to someone beyond, yeah, like videos and things like that. Because, um, yeah, you either get it or you you, you kind of click with it or you don't and that's why there's also so many different ways of doing things that are technically mm-hmm. equally safe and you know can have the same outcome because everyone's brain is just going to work so differently um and then sometimes anatomy is different as well and it can just throw you you know something that's worked yes. for the last 10 lips just is not going to work um for this lip shape so you just got to figure out if you've got any other things in your toolbox that are gonna kind of help you do that lip yeah same with septums. Mm, yeah. Some yeah. This is out there. I know you're listening. But I hate septums. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love them. I Me love too. Septums. I could do a whole day of them and I wouldn't mm-hmm. even sweat. But if yeah. I get that one deviated septum that's like deviated to hell, I'm like, how do I do this again? <laughs> I um I've had a I've had a yeah I had one I, I pierced a friend of mine septum recently and piercing friends is like kind of nerve-wracking but more relaxing than a client because you know them if it goes wrong it you're not gonna nothing's gonna really happen you know you'll be able to try again and it's not really a problem um but yeah she had quite a marked deviation and obviously deviations happen at different points in the nose and this is something I'll like speak to clients about she had the the complicated kind where it's like right at the front of the nose and it's kind of sitting within the sweet spot so it's kind of a case of you know I kind of said to her like I'm gonna try and get it straight but it might not come out actually straight because your nose is just not straight so I can't (laughs) go straight do something that's not straight um and she was like you know what that's fine um and yeah it had a little bit of a kick to it but there you know I did everything I could to make sure the tissue was in the right place and I was going in the right place and the actual piercing and transfer and everything was absolutely fine she's healing fine it just it just do be sitting like that because that's that's her nose and I think like with septums I think the big problem often is the massive expectations the client wants a cute little septum and it has to be high or barely visible or I want a snug fitting ring straight away and it has to be straight and right up at the front of my nose and it can't hang too low but it also can't be too high or people sometimes want it low or they want something chunky or they want nothing almost barely anything you know like so the it's all the expectations and I think um, for me, at least a lot of my nerves when it comes to looking at deviation and going, okay, yeah, there's a deviation there is having that honest conversation and saying like, I will do my best and do what I can for the anatomy that you have. If you have a picture on Pinterest of a die straight septum that's right up behind the bulb of the nose, you know, on everyone's face and nose is different. So, you know, I understand your vision, but we're going to try and give you something that's going to look nice on you, suit you. I'm not going to give you a bad piercing, but 
these are the the parameters we're working within um and we've got to we've got to work within that and some people's sweet spots are super compressed like i'll do a mark um where the septal is and then i'll do an indicator mark kind of on the bulb of the nose that shows me roughly what height the sweet spot is at because it's different on everybody and there are some people where you've only got maybe two three mil between those actual spaces like it's just super compressed and it also means for you as a piercer you've got no margin for error that 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 needle has to go where it has to go and it can't really go anywhere else (laughs) but it does mean for people that want that super high snug look I have to say to them listen this is something you're going to get to achieve in two months because I can't you know there's only so high I can go before I'm going to really cause you discomfort and do a bad piercing so it has to go you know here and yes it's going to look a little bit lower but that's not because I'm doing a low piercing it's because that's just where it's going to sit so yeah septums man what a fun one but I love them yeah and they're different on everyone and I think yeah that takes that took a lot of it away for me is just having those conversations and along oh yeah can't do um and it means that there's really no room for disappointment if you're not promising something that you can't do people can't really be disappointed with you exactly it's like um my regular v I posted up her septum the other night and she had a nose job many many years ago and she knew that she had slight deviation prior to the mm-hmm. nose job when I looked at nose I was like okay yeah the, the deviation is definitely there I can see it then I started feeling and it was weird it was like zigzaggy like it was yeah um, yeah. yeah it was just like whoa like her left side was like there was like a huge gap that you could feel but as soon as you start feeling the other side it was like rubbing but it's going up down up down and then I pissed it telescope way mm-hmm. yeah that's what I feel most comfortable when doing deviated septums like did that looked at it I was like ah, oh, yeah looks good put my apex which is so easy um put one of them in popped a little open bead up and then when she sat up and I looked at it I was like oh yeah that's fucking good I did a good job <laughs> oh my god what do I do like this is crazy um like i've had the ones that you know when they tilt the head back you can see it straight away but you just yeah. know that it's going to be easy to pierce anyway there's not going to be that much of an issue you just go above you know what yeah. i mean you kind of it goes above it basically yeah. Yeah. but when you get the one where it's just like <laughs> you're just like oh, oh no <laughs> this is going to be the challenge of my monday morning let's go yeah no i did um reese so reese is a, a junior piercer also working in edinburgh she works out of tribal body art um and she had a pretty bad septum piercing if i'm honest from years and years ago and so she i think she tried she actually did it on herself hard as fuck i couldn't do that well i have done it when i was 13 but i'm 25 and i do not have the same little gems of courage in me anymore but yeah no in terms of actually being a professional i can't do it i just can't bring myself to pierce myself but um yeah, she did it once, didn't like it. So then she asked me to do it. She was like, you're really good at septums. All the ones you do come out really good. She's like, God, deviation though. So I don't know if like, that's it. Like I can only ever get a wonky septum. And yeah, you know, like the, I use the short telescopic like septum clamps to do mine, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just the way that I like doing them um and so yeah kind of like shuckled the clamps on up there they didn't feel great poor Reese but you, you got to do what you got to do um but yeah did the piercing 
got this Juni fixed bead ring in. It was very nice, actually. Really enjoyed using it. Um, and then, yeah, it was like perfectly straight and really high up and snug, like, and just so different to what she'd had before. And I was just like, fuck yeah, that's a good septum. Yes. Because it's like sod's law, you pierce another piercer, it's going to go so badly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that it just went perfect, I was like, thank you thank you piercing gods um but yeah so um yeah no it's 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 a fun one when it goes like really 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 well even better than maybe you expect because things are so like groovy wonky looking yeah um it was something like i've spoken to reese about it as well it's like almost my like little traffic light motto situation that saves me from spiraling into the pit of despair at 3am thinking about a bad nose piercing or whatever um so green is kind of like you mark it you do it everything is great the client is really happy and everything's just gone a to b exactly how you want it the like amber zone is when technically the piercing is good the angle is healthy the depth is fine it just doesn't look kind of and to be honest most of the time the client doesn't even care to be honest but um it just doesn't quite look the way that you imagined it looking or it's just not quite paid off in the way you thought it would where from a health point of view and for the client's safety it's going to be fine you'll downsize it fine everything will literally be fine it just hasn't quite gone the way that you wanted it to and for that sort of stuff where things are just maybe ever so slightly off but they're still going to heal fine and the client's not that bothered um or it's, yeah some of them literally don't even care and I have to internalize the fact that I'm like oh but it's just not quite sitting where I wanted it to but if you're happy that's not. <laughs> um but like um that stuff is kind of the like anything green is great you can think about it and go that was great with the amber I'm like you just need to let it go like you know yes it's not what you wanted but it will be fine and then red is when it's like just not fine is not going the way you want it clients not happy you're not happy ankle 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 is weird angle is weird (laughs) (laughs) you know and you have to have the tough conversation of pulling it or um you know kind of yeah otherwise it haunts you forever and it still does even if you pull it anyway um Mm. so so yeah it's that sort of like that's that's where I'm at with it so that I try not to completely eat myself out like alive with you know kind of all of these sort of imperfections um if if the piercing itself is gonna is gonna be fine I need to start doing that it's yeah it's a tough it's like real it's a tough thing um but but yeah and then sometimes you know uno reverse you do a piercing that's great and the angle's great and everything's great but the client is just like I don't like that and you're just Mm. like okay um <laughs> what <to do? laughs> where, i don't really know where else i can put this because it's where it's meant to be so um yeah that's that's the fun una reverse card but um yeah it, that that has helped just so it's not immediately very good or quit <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> forever yeah. yeah it's been close <laughs> oh man yeah like there were a couple of like lip piercings was really bad one for a while and I just really wasn't happy and oh god I just didn't yeah I didn't offer them for for a hot minute and now now I'm finally like okay it's it's fine it's okay but yeah tragus literally honestly they're probably fine I just don't feel like I have all of the 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 kind of wherewithal with them because I've tried yeah umbrella bend inside out I've tried kind of clamps 
I've tried receiving tube and it's just like such a mixed bag. I can never get like a consistent result. It's either I strike a luck and they come out really good or it's just shit. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah. Be honest and earnest. I mean, we're human. We are not going to get it right. Bang mm -hmm. on first time, 100% of the time. We want to. We always want to. Um, but sometimes shit happens. Yeah, we're not we're not robots. We're humans. Yeah, we can't be perfectionists all the time. I know everyone loves to, but really we can't. And yeah. sometimes we'll do one piercing and we'll do the same piercing on another person, and it's just completely wrong. And yeah. it happens. Like I've done it, and I've been piercing for over ten years, and you know I still fuck up now and then, and it's just being a human like I'm not yeah. gonna whack out paired lobes every day equally every time I'm always gonna get one that's just off yeah it yeah. happens um flat piercings I fucking hate them I love piercing them but I hate it, the healing period of a flat piercing because they swell like bitches yeah and when they come back I'm like is it off <laughs> <laughs> or is it the swelling because <laughs> it's like yeah well for so long and it's like oh no right we're on eight weeks and it's still a little bit swollen is it off <laughs> it's just like yeah is oh, it no. ever gonna be okay and then they come back like when the swelling's gone and it's like perpendicular to the tissue and it's like ah yeah it wasn't off. just do that for me like traguses they stay swollen for so long same with forward helixes that whole area so angry so mean for so long like no matter what the person does just angry angry mean evil diva piercing for like the first six weeks and then out of nowhere it's like everything is fine and I'm great and I'm healing so wonderfully and I totally didn't make everything about this experience up until this point so uncomfortable um like it's just me I'm fine. What, what What do you mean? Don't worry about it. I wasn't totally super friggin' red and angry and my client totally wasn't thinking about just giving me up because when <laughs> end? Oh, the yeah, joys. They're, they're little bastards. Evil. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I do yeah. hate lobes. Lobes are bastards as well. Oh, lobes, yeah, lobes throw me. Um, And it's because I used to pierce ambidextrously, but I lost that. And I can't remember at what point I did, but I now have the just, a, you know, my dominant hand. So people are laying down and I move around them, basically. Um, But there's always one. And it's the less, it's, it's where I don't have the same ability to brace the tissue that, I mean, and hey, they heal fine, you know, from the front, they're fine. It's just there's a slight difference in terms of how I approach the angle from one to the other. And my God, I'm like, is this just my life? Like, is this just how it's going to be with the damn lobes? And they're so like, liberty flobbity. Like, they remind me of the like car things, you know, the like inflatable things. Oh, okay, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the wavy flumes. Yeah, like, yeah, they dance outside the petrol station. I'm like, that's a load. Like, you go and brace it, and it's just like, woo! Yeah. Right, everywhere. And it I'm just like, moves around. It's like, stop moving. Yeah. 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 I had, I did like a stacked load that I'm going to post with some really, really nice jewelry um, on a client that's been coming to me for a while. And she has like insane like just loads of space on both of her lobes so um one side we went for a more traditional just like stack and then on this side we're doing the the like well no yeah so climbers so like basically like one two three four 
on one side and then we're doing the stack on this side so it was like kind of fine but yeah like I did the top one fine bottom one where I went to kind of brace and pierce the the tissue was just like I'm about to go crazy and I was like one second and I just had to like adjust my brace and then like really go through just so they wouldn't continue to buckle and I was like oh that lobe tissue there being right pesky was trying to go places it it shouldn't have been going and she was just (laughs) laughing she was like it was fine couldn't really feel anything I was like great wonderful um but yeah Yeah. they They always there's always one that just likes to be a little bit naughty yeah I find yeah lobes they piss me off definitely when um the client wants like a second and third of one lobe but like the lobe goes up and then it dips down oh the worst the absolute worst and then the angles always look so cacked at the yeah. back even though that's perpendicular to the damn tissue and you're just like, this looks fucked up even though it's right oh it's, oh, the, the, of that. Oh, it's the same with the swoopy out ones you know how yeah. some people stay more flat they swoop, or yeah. and then they're like out so obviously you're just like well i technically have to pierce these fucking vertically and that's gonna look real fucked up but there's nowhere else for me to can go no, no, what no. Do I, do? I guess you know i'm just like right you're gonna see the back of the labret potentially your lobes are shaped this way i have to go in this way otherwise they're just gonna cause loads of problems oh the worst the worst honestly i would write a book about lobes <laughs> these damn lobes they're not as simple <laughs> as everyone says they are <laughs> it's not just a piece of tissue in 10 20 years time got a plan oh god i don't know what i'm doing next. i don't even know what i'm doing next week god damn it um (laughs) uh i think i would i would definitely like to still be piercing i can see things kind of going away i mean joy's obviously joy's dangerous and maybe we'll do a whole other like podcast about making and gemstones and all of that stuff because it's just a whole thing um but you know so yeah it has its dangers and hazards and things like that but jewelry making is definitely a more slow sedentary sedentary craft so i can see myself doing piercing to the point where i need to retire and then maybe with the end of the retirement period type thing doing some jewelry for a bit longer and then just fully retiring from it all i think that'll probably be the plan because yeah jewelry it means that i'll still be included in the industry and still be able to serve it but not be up on my feet every day but this is like 30 hopefully like 30 years down the line you know not even 10 20 so um i think i'm pretty open to where things are going to take me i think for now i'm really happy with doing both things and having them work quite nicely in tandem um and we'll just sort of see where life takes me and yeah hopefully i don't inhale too many fumes or you know uh stab myself too many times (laughs) yeah that's that's always on the books needle pricks love them yeah thankfully touchwood never had one yet in three years been really happy to never never even broke the glove nothing been really really lucky um but i know it's in the post i feel like there's one coming it's somewhere and i'll stab myself in the finger and i'm sure it'll be really fun i've i've, 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 I've done it a few times mainly when i'm bending needles yeah this is why i get so scared to bloody bend them because i haven't stab- so far touch wood 
Um, I have put a saw blade through my finger though, and I sawed almost right up until the edge of my nail actually, oh. and it took ages to heal. Yeah, um, I there was a certain way that I saw, and for whatever stupid reason, I don't know what possessed me to do this. I was sawing in a way that basically my like hand was at the side of the piece, but technically by going through into the piece, it should have just gone into the wood of the peg of my bench, but it just didn't. It just went into my fucking finger. And took about six weeks to heal. So yeah, it was really cool. It was really fun washing my hands and using uh, hand sanitizer in that. Um, totally didn't feel like Satan's ball bag in my finger or anything. Oh, uh, so sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it on one last question. If you, yourself, as a person, could be a stone, what type of stone would you be and why? I would be an agate. Oh, I thought it would be that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, agates, like, genuinely, um, agates are just awesome. Um, I think the the sheer kind of variation in colours and patterns and forming and stuff is really cool. It's also, they don't technically, maybe they've figured it out now, but at least the last time that I was, like, deep in agate studying. Um... (laughs) Um, there are really only theories to how they form there's they've not actually proven how an agate comes to be so you can't synthesize an agate like they just don't know how it's done they've got a couple of like yeah ideas of maybe what happens for them to come about but it's crypto is crypto crystalline quartz so um essentially in a very basic level uh, they form in the cavity of a rock and then it's it's kind of like yeah that weird thing where like different layers form over time and so different chemicals and stains and all of these things then create this beautiful banded thing and they come in all kinds of crazy colors across the world um but yeah they they don't technically know like what exactly is happening for those those things to come about so yeah you you can't really synthesize an agate really not not in the way of like recreating the environment and making an agate in a lab um i'm sure you can make plastic versions or you know but but yeah i love an agate they're so cool <laughs> what color agate would you be i think i would like to be Maybe like a funky carnelian, just because like the reds and yellows are quite nice. Um, obviously, I could say the black quarry agate, but that's really predictable. But carnelian agates, like yeah, with the with the kind of red, red yellow banding, are really nice. But you've also got waterline agates, which are just kind of yeah, the banding is like a waterline. They're really cool. There's a really famous one in the Natural History Museum of Scotland, I believe, um, National History Museum of Scotland, where uh, they've taken a slice and it literally looks like a painting of a sunset, just oh, wow. coincidentally like, on a beach. It's insane. Look it up after the call. It's so amazing. Wow. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so, yeah, they're just, yeah, any agate, really, any old agate on the beach. Um <laughs> They're just groovy. Oh, look at your little face, all like bright and shiny because you've been talking about agates. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, no, I will get you one again just to talk about stones and stuff because, yeah. you know, there are people out there like myself who are very nerdy when it comes to jewelry making and types of stones and how they're created, what different mm-hmm. colors they come in. Like, are they easy to work with? Are they not easy to work with? How do they weld? You name it. Like, 
there mm-hmm. are many people out there that love this shit, but there yeah. are goldsmiths and independent jewelry makers that just don't want to talk about it because they yeah. think that a lot of people don't want to listen. It's like, no, trust me. <laughs> That's yeah, a lot and I think it's like I think there's obviously a, a kind of maybe a, a certain fear of, oh, I don't want to give too much away or, you know, but I think it's all knowledge. And to be honest, like every jeweler that's out there, I mean, there's four that I know of all in Scotland, one being me and we're all different, mm-hmm. like all completely different in how we approach things, all completely different in how our work looks. So like, I mean, even if you give someone the information, sure yeah technically they could maybe do the exact same thing as you but they're probably not going to they've probably got their own ideas and things that they want to do so you know I don't think there's any harm in sharing it um you know me and Josh have been speaking a lot because he's got a pulse arc welder I speak to Stephen and Jordan literally basically every day I've spoken to you before about stuff like yeah yeah like I don't I think there's a lot of trade secret stuff um but it is something that's kind of an ever-growing part of our industry and it's something that I think people should talk about and there's loads of people that aren't in it yet that probably have a real talent for it but can't make that step because they just feel like there's a brick wall everywhere they go because people don't want to have the discussion or give people the ability to sort of be a little bit more self-sufficient yeah I'm into that so yeah people listen out it might get a part two of Hazel at some point because I want to talk about jewelry oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for coming on I really do appreciate it and I hope you have a great rest of your evening I will do you too and it was yeah it was so fun and wow time flies when you just chat loads about this stuff (laughs) yeah yeah now now you understand why i'm on here for so long thank you for listening to this episode of t with d if you want to learn more about the podcast head over to underscore t with d via instagram you can also find out information about self seminars for professional piercers only via instagram you can also find me the host diana golding at pearl collective underscore